Hello, this is Discover, and we take customer service very seriously. We know that if you have a question or concern about your credit card, that's a serious matter, and you need to talk to a real person about it. So we offer around-the-clock access to seriously talented representatives in the USA. Again, it's a serious endeavor. The only funny thing about it is Bob. If you call us and Bob answers, you're in for a treat. Get 100% U.S.-based customer service and talk to a real person day or night. Discover exceptionally common sense. Hear that? Is that America cheering or a sausage patty sizzling to perfection? It's time to cheer for Egg McMuffin and fresh cracked eggs at McDonald's. It's time to wake up to the aroma of freshly baked biscuits and treat yourself to a real honest-to-goodness morning meal. Breakfast, it's on at McDonald's. Now get any breakfast sandwich for just two bucks. Available only through the app. Mobile order and pay available at participating McDonald's. McD app download and registration required. Today on the Zabecast, the U.S. survives and advances. And while that's wonderful, it took me about, well, one half of football to realize, yeah, this game ain't for me. Paul Charchian joins me from the Great White North, where I believe the last snow pile in the city has finally melted, just in time for the 4th of July. All that plus Cam Newton gets stuffed at the goal line. Your digital dose of extra Zabe is fresh and ready to eat, so buckle up and let's go! Oh, here we go! Tuesday, June 25th, 2019. Thank you for downloading. Before we get to charge today, a thought on the Women's World Cup. I woke up from my midday constitutional nap on the couch to uh, realize as I looked at my phone, oh, snap, USA and Spain are playing right now. So let's go ahead and tune on in to Fox Sports 1. Boom. Game's on. All right. I'm watching. And as always, I go through this. Every four years, or I guess every two years, are the women's and the men's World Cup staggered now like the Olympics? I think they are. That would make sense. Two and two and two. Just keep keep it flowing, you know? Every two years, <laughs> when I'm watching a soccer game, I always have that moment of uncertainty as I look at the big clock on the screen, and it's counting upwards, and it's somewhere in the 70th or 80th minute, and I have to always ask myself, ah, uh, how long is a soccer game again? <laughs> I think it's two halves of 45 running minutes each, but oh, sometimes I, I get confused and I lose track. Yeah, that is what it is. And one of the peculiarities of soccer is that running clock, is that they don't have a referee starting and stopping the clock. And I've asked these questions over the years time and time again to my soccer peeps. And they explain the reason is, Soccer, and I guess FIFA, but all the world organizing bodies want to keep the beautiful game, as it's called, as simple as possible so that it can be played by anyone at any level, including levels in which they don't have the most advanced technology. This is why the game is so wildly popular in every corner of the globe, including, of course, third world countries where kids grow up kicking balls made out of trash, no exaggeration, around a dirty lot. So to have a a clock in which you have to start it and stop it and make sure the clock operator is on point, it's just too much. It's better for the referee on the field to keep track of the time. And instead of him starting and stopping and trusting him with, hey, you know what, Uh, you should have stopped the clock there, would have gave us an extra six seconds, they let the referee determine what is so-called 
additional time or stoppage time, as it were. Okay, so that's one thing about soccer. Fine. The other thing about soccer, I immediately realized as I watched my first game with any kind of focus whatsoever in at least two years, if not longer, I realized, oh, shit, yeah, the flopping. God, do I hate the flopping. The flopping is the worst. A player for Spain got tapped in the face, decides, ooh, I got tapped in the face, and a second later realizes, go down. Go down like you've been shot. Oh, God, help me. Another U.S. She did get a card. Uh, I think she got a card for that uh, or drew a card on Megan Rapinoe. They, they were killing Rapinoe in this game, which is fine. See my eyes? They're very dry about that. Also, there was a U.S. player who made a, a, a sparkling run uh, and then had the ball knocked away from her, and she was upended in the process of what looked like a clean tackle to me. What do I know? I'm an every two-year soccer guy. Uh, they got the ball first, and yes, it ended up tripping up the attacking U.S. player. But the attacking U.S. player, upon tumbling to the ground, lay absolutely motionless, as if dead, for an extraordinary amount of time, like 10 seconds. Oh, my God, JR! She's dead! It was at that point I realized, oh, yeah. That's why I'm really not a fan of soccer. And then came the the coup de grace, the crowning reason why I just I can't get with the sport, and that is the penalty kick. Spain ended up committing a foul inside the box on a cutting U.S. attacker who was not really imminently about to score, but just cutting across the top of the box, trying to corral a high-bouncing ball. And the Spain attacker came in with uh, cleats high, with studs up, as they say, and appeared to have nicked or grazed the leg of the U.S. defender. She then landed, stumbled once, and fell to the ground. The referee called a foul. Of course, they went to video-assisted review, which they make the big box sort of sign with their fingers. And after a review of the play, they realized, or they determined they did, the referee did, oh, yeah, she did tick her in the box, and that's a foul. So... USA was awarded a penalty kick, which is what I like to call a free goal. Now, technically, it's not free. It it is only a 75% conversion play. Megan Rapinoe ended up taking the shot. This after Alex Morgan was going to take the shot and then decided not to. It was kind of laughable how the referee was all finicky about where on the spot Rapinoe was putting the ball because she was putting it on the front edge of the white circle on the ground. And the ref's like, no, no, you got to move it back. And she's like, what? And the announcer's like, all it has to do is be touching the circle. And I'm sitting there screaming, it doesn't fucking matter. She's right in front of the goal, point blank. But they ended up putting it on the spot. Rapino goes low left into the corner, bing, bang, boom. Goalie even moved the right direction, perhaps a bit late. Moved the right direction, dove for it, had no chance of getting to the corner. There is no way that a properly struck penalty kick can be stopped by any goalie in the world. It's only fuck-ups and miscues and a blatantly correct guess that gets it done. So my problem is twofold on the penalty kick. One, soccer being such a low-scoring game, a single goal is the equivalent of like 20 points in a basketball game. And secondly, well, three three things. One is a, a goal is worth so much. And then you have the very subjective 
idea of what is or is not a foul. And then on top of that, you have the fact that the conversion rate for a PK is 75%. It's too high. It's too high in my opinion. A, I think the box should be a lot smaller. And B, I think the penalty kick should be at least five yards further away so that it's got to be a real crackerjack of a shot, a real missile that gets in. I would I would work with the rules and tweak the rules to make it so that a PK is only a 25% chance. And I would bring that box in a lot closer so that you would really only have direct scoring chances that are deemed a foul to result in what I call an automatic goal. But I know what you're saying right now as soccer fans, and I'll get the emails, and that's fine. Oh, but this is how the game is. If you watched enough soccer, you'd realize it usually evens out. Secondly, the principle is, if you're the attacking team, the defenders must take extra care in the box to not foul and to reward the offensive team for being in the box there legally. Okay, I, I get all that, but man, it's just, it's too big of a thing. This is, the, you know, in a basketball game, if you gave, if you, if you called a technical foul on a specific shot and said that's a 20-point free throw and then gave the shooter, and I'm saying on average free throw shooters in basketball are about 75%, the best are 90, the worst are 50, it's about 75 If you gave that one free throw for one particular foul in the course of an entire 90-minute game that involves running back and forth and back and forth, if you gave that value 20 points, the game's basically over at that point, especially if it's a 20-point free throw late in the game. And I know you're going to argue, well, what about pass interference calls in football? Those are huge. Yes, they are. And they're subjective. But there's no way around it. I mean, you could make P.I. 15 yards like they do in college. The, the NFL has not seemingly embraced that just yet. I don't know. It's uh, Look, I liked watching the game. The grass looked beautiful. God damn, that grass looked perfect. And uh, Team USA, hard for me to get behind them these days with the whole Rapino thing and the suing the U.S. Federation for equal pay, which is absurd, but whatever. I mean, maybe they'll, they'll, they'll win something in uh, arbitration, it looks like. I don't have the good feels I used to have for our gals in red, white, and blue, but so be it. I don't mind watching every two years. And yes, you can now email me and blast me for being completely clueless and out of my depth. In fact, start your email with, Dear Steed, you ignorant slut. Dot, dot, dot. This is where the DJ talks. Don't say anything. Okay. You know, we hot call all of our guests here on the program. Look, 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 look. Hey, good day, Hoser. <laughs> hey. Hello, Charge, my friend. I'm just excited that I can hear you for like three consecutive seconds at a time. That's very exciting. It is very exciting. Paul Charge and everybody, founder of Fanball.com, the king of the tween, Twin Cities, and a man about town, a man who loves his bourbon and his steak. Yes, together, ideally. Yeah, it does go very well together indeed. Uh, I had uh, one of the gals at the station in Milwaukee, 97.3 The Game, Miss Natalie, who is a huge Metallica fan, Charge. She has been to 114 What? (laughs) Metallica. You heard me. 
Do I oh stutter, God. as Stanley Hudson would say in the office? 114 Metallica concerts in her life. Uh, she has promised to be my date, my platonic date, at the next time Metallica's even in the States. They're apparently in New Zealand right now. Uh, so I can experience it because I'm really not into metal, but I'll try anything once, basically. Really? Now you, you tell me. I had you, I had <laughs> now you, you, I had you tell down me. for a whole weekend, and now you tell me that you'll try anything once. <laughs> well, uh, I'll try a lot of things once. How about that? I won't try a salad once, that's for sure. Ugh. No vegetables <laughs> for sure. Anyway, so uh, so she told me on the bourbon front, before we get into the meat and guts of our visit tonight, she said she gave me a bottle of bourbon that's called this Blackened, and apparently it's Metallica's favorite bourbon. Ooh. Are you aware of it? No, it's called Blackened. I'm going to look it up right now. Blackened bourbon. just says Blackened now, is on that, it. Is that, is that a brand name, or is that like a, a, a method of making it in a charred oak barrel i'm sure it's uh blackened american whiskey there it is uh oh it's metallica and david pickerel released blackened american whiskey so it's the metallica whiskey well of course go figure because if you're metallica you need the money for next from an extra sponsorship <laughs> yeah they're really hurting for money metallica they're, they really are yeah uh, wow uh, all right they've teamed so... up they've teamed up with Whistlepig distiller David Pickerel to create black and American whiskey, a blend finished in black brandy casts. Casks. So there you go. Haven't tried it, but maybe I will tonight Ooh, after all. I did not I did not know that. Thank okay. you. All right. Uh, we got a couple things to talk about today on the docket, and they go as yeah. follows. Number one, Fortnite. Story about their founder. Interesting story. Two, yes. PI rule in the NFL, disaster in waiting. Three, worst piece of shit tool or device you have ever purchased via a TV infomercial. And four, Charge wants to talk about his new foray into vinyl LPs. Yes. All right. I'm excited for that. All right, let's start with Fortnite. So I found this story, uh, I don't know where it came to me, but basically this 30-year-old by the name of Tim Sweeney, who is the founder of Epic Games, I'm sure you know of him. Yes. I do. In fact, my brother uh, worked with him um, when my brother was at Xbox. Uh, he he worked with Tim uh, a couple of times on a couple of different projects. And dude is brilliant. Yeah. Super smart. By the way, uh, he said that, I'm sorry, I said he was 30. He's 48 years old now. But he said by age 30, he had a couple successful video games under his belt and was starting to make real money. He said, quote, I had a yeah. Ferrari and a Lamborghini in the parking lot of my apartment People who hadn't met me thought I must be a drug dealer. <laughs> now, now at age 48, you know what Sweeney is worth? A billion dollars. You're six billion shy. Seven oh, billion dollars. His company, Epic Games, is uh, valued at 15 billion. And it's interesting because he's this guy, he's single. He said, quote, I'm single, unmarried, no kids, so I lead a fairly simple life. In his spare time, he programs or he hikes. Quote, I love going <laughs> off the trail and finding things that I think nobody's ever seen before. He has since shed his passion for luxury vehicles. He now puts his money towards nature conservation efforts. He spent hundreds of millions of dollars to preserve more than 45,000 acres of forest throughout North Carolina, which is where Epic Games is based, in Cary, right. North Carolina, 
which is an odd thing because you would think it would be in Silicon Valley, right? Yeah, yes. He wants it there, and that's where he's got it. He says his favorite food is Bojangles fried chicken. Do you know why? No, I don't even know what that is. You've never had Bojangles? No, they don't have that here. What, what's Bojangles fried chicken? Boy, you ain't never been to the South. Well, not really. <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> what is it? ladies and gentlemen, Church really does live north of the wall with all the <laughs> wildings up there. Oh, hell yeah. You get down to the South, brother, Bojangles is all over. It's a chicken and biscuit joint. It's not okay. unlike Popeye's. It's not unlike Hardee's. It's not complicated. It's chicken, biscuits, Bojangles. Okay. So tell me, but tell me it's a spicy chicken. What I want to hear is that it's if it's going to be southern fried chicken. I want to hear that it's spicy. They, they may I have, want to find out it's KFC. They may have a spice to it. They may not. I, I'm not totally fluent. Although my, okay. my golf buddy, uh, Durf, insisted we stop at a Bojangles on the way to North Carolina because of a dessert treat called their Bowberry Muffins. Bowberry. Imagine. It chicken in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or no, Bowberry, not muffins, Bowberry biscuits. So okay. they're biscuits that are drenched in white icing with blueberry on top of it. Ooh. Oh, I'm in. Oh, yeah. This, oh, they, I'm thinking, I'm imagining those coming out fresh. They do. The oven. Oh, they come out and hot, you, too. They come yeah, out hot, piping hot. They, yeah. They pour the icing right on the top mm-hmm. and the icing's half melting from the heat of the biscuit. Mm-hmm. And then you just, you just, you pry that thing open through the middle and you oh. just have oral sex with it. <laughs> wow. This thing took quite a turn right now here tonight. All right. Mm-hmm. 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 Anyway, he said his favorite food, and this is such a programmer thing to say, you being married to a, erstwhile wannabe part-time never got a gig programmer herself (laughs) that's all true (laughs) uh he says this is great he goes it strikes the perfect balance between tasty food and time commitment (laughs) (laughs) what fucking weirdo is that i love it (laughs) i love it that's my guy he's got it all he's got it all computationally figured out on the x y axis exactly x is time the y is taste (laughs) And he's, he, it's hit, oh, it's yes. in the upper right-hand corner. Yes, right here, as you can see, the combination of tastiness and <laughs> from <laughs> from fingers to esophagus is off the charts. Uh, <laughs> we call this the Bojangle Circle. Uh, he also says he primarily drinks Diet Coke, ding, 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 but only because it's, quote, impossible to find tab nowadays. <laughs> I, they sell tab at Target. You can get tab anywhere. It, his uniform is a t- his uniform and the office is a t-shirt and cargo pants. Well, of course, that's a, that's every programmer in the world, right there. Now, here's the here's the the amazing thing to this whole story. I think Epic had had a series of they've had popular games for twenty years, but he was never a billionaire until Fortnite, and the game is free. F-R-E-E, they, and he's turned that into the thing that has you know, catapulted him from right. multi-millionaire to multi-billionaire. Yeah. They talk about it. Uh, they say that one of his biggest challenges, so they put this free game out, and then he had to go try to convince all the big players, Microsoft with Xbox, Sony, 
PlayStation, and I forget what the third, oh, Nintendo was the third. Right. He had to go convince all these rival video game titans to allow his game to be played on their systems. And he wore Microsoft down. They finally said, okay, fine. They uh-huh. He wore down Nintendo. They said, fine. Sony was the last hard asses. And it took a campaign amongst players yes. to say to Sony, the fuck, Sony, get with it. And they finally yes. relented. And they relented to the point that Sony Sony has normally does not allow their online players to cross paths with the players that own an Xbox or a PC or a Switch or anything else. But Sony, the popularity of Fortnite was so great and the outcry was so great that Sony allowed Fortnite players to cross and cross play Ooh. with players on the other systems. And that's how much clout Epic Games has now. Yeah. Due to Fortnite. Get this. He said, it says in the story that it all fed the Fortnite fever. The game's hold over kids has sounded alarms, particularly those from those who think the games are addictive. Charge. Oh, oh, stop. Charge. This is the stuff we've been hearing since Pac-Man, for Pete's sake. Charge. Is it addictive? No. Well, in a... In only in some only in the same way that Call of Duty is or any other okay. any other game is any you can be compulsive uh, about yeah, anything. Yeah, but I can be a compulsive nose picker if I want to, right? <laughs> but it doesn't and, take you know, all day and all night. See, here's the thing: we could have well, been addicted. Wrong it is. <laughs> we I got a bloody nose again. <laughs> here's here's the thing: you know, we, we you could have been addicted to Pac Man. You can't yeah. fuck. You can't play that shit all day. You can't. It's not. It's not Why complex not? enough. Who the oh, hell on. played Pac-Man all day? In the day, you know people did. They'd show up at the arcade with the roll of quarters yeah. and, you know, 10 bucks in quarters, and they did play all day long. It just, ten- it now we would never do that okay. because our we don't, our level of sophistication has gone up by so much. But Get this, then, though. Get this, though. Here's the flip side of the coin. Not playing Fortnite or not being good at it has become a new stigma for some children. <laughs> That's true. Including playing with the standard issue avatar outfit Correct. everyone starts with can result yeah. in being called, quote, default or noob, modern day schoolyard taunts. Yep. Wow. That's, and that's how they, that is how he gets to $7 billion is nobody wants to be the player that shows up looking like noob. the default guy the default. Who, who spent no money on the game. If you spent no money on the game, you are telling the world that you don't know how to play the game. Oh, so, God. yeah, what a, what, a, what a great concept. Anyway, and, it's, yeah. a, it's a good article. I think it's in the Wall Street Journal. I, I just clipped it and saved it in my uh, uh, Evernote program. But if you, find, if you find the link, send it to me. I'll make sure to retweet it out. Here's the other thing about it. So he's singled, unmarried, no kids. Yeah. And yeah, he's worth $7 billion. Guess what? Does he sound miserable, Charge? Does he sound like he yearns <laughs> really for a soulmate, <laughs> for someone else to share his life with and let, you know... I mean, not everyone is fit for marriage. Not everyone's meant for it. It sounds like the guy's happy as fuck. He hikes, he eats Bojangles, he designs well, video games, and that's good enough for him. Well, hold on. Now, wait a minute. For all we know... He hikes. He enjoys Bojangles. Yeah. Uh, and he in the company of somebody else. Now, what he does not miss is a legally binding companion. He, for all we know, right. he's got a He could have hose on the side. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Right. He, he is in no, he, right. Let me amend that. He is in no legal agreement 
to forfeit Correct. half any of his seven <laughs> b- 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 billion dollars. Okay. Uh, item number two, PI rule in the NFL. Is this, do you think, charge a disaster in waiting? Yep. Hmm. It is going to turn the NFL into the NBA where every game is going to come down to a series of continuous stoppages at the end of the game while we try to figure out if there was pass interference or not on damn near every pass at the end of the game. And, uh, you know, I and I, I suspect this is the side that you are going to fall on as well because oh, you, I'm on you, this side. You, I own you, I own real estate on this side of the river. Yeah. You embrace the human element in many sports and I don't, I do not, I'm, you know, I, do I like what happened to the saints? Of course not. They got gypped. You know what? That's what you sign up for when you play the game. And for the, that's the most, you know, we still, we, I do not want to materially change the game to try to put in some level of minute perfection at the expense of a seven minute timeout followed by a four minute timeout followed by a three minute timeout and a block of commercials. And I I agree. I agree. And honestly, charge the amount of time it could take as games grind to a standstill is not even on my concern list per se. It's bad, obviously, but I'm not even worried about that. What I'm concerned about is that they're, they're saying that a, a booth initiated replay review on PI or a non PI call, is going to have to meet a higher threshold than what they call on the field. That, to me, is fucking crazy. And what's going to happen is this. Your team is going to have a receiver who looks like they're interfered with, and you're going to be waiting for the NFL to stop the game, to look at it, and they're not. Because someone in a darkened room you can't see and don't know decides, nah, that's not worth looking at. And then all we're going to do on Monday is complain about the call that was not stopped to be examined. You raise you raise an excellent point I'd never thought about. Now we're taking at least the refs have got accountability. We know who they are. We know what they look like. We remember the ref that jobbed us and everything else, right? Yeah. They have accountability. These faceless drones back at the league, who knows who these people are and what their motives really are, and they don't have the same level of personal accountability. That's yeah. an excellent point. I'm stealing this for tomorrow's show. Go right ahead um, and tell the best play-by-play man in the league, Paul Allen, I said hello. I will do that. Very good. Uh, that said, also Alberto Riveron, who's the guy that makes the final say in New York City, said he thinks the Stefan Gilmore-Brandon Cooks play in the Super Bowl, which was not ruled P.I., a breakup by Gilmore at the last second, which upon mm-hmm. closer examination looked to be by many P.I., that's the kind of play Riveron says would be reviewed. Good luck, Chuck, on that. Yeah, there's going to be there's going to be so many. It's there's so many variables. They they're going to be some plays. It's it, they can't do it. They can't do it consistently because every play's different. And there's going to be an outcry. Well, you you reviewed this play that was very that was just like it, but you know, but this one's different. You didn't review that one. And yeah, you know, there's just there's just no winning. There's no winning the battle against the people who want to blame the refs for their team's loss. Right. You can't ever win, and all we're going to do is just change the bar up and down, but you'll never stop the bitching and moaning. I've also said coaches who are smart would never challenge another thing other than P.I. Because if you think about it, fumbles are covered, touchdowns are covered. Uh, Interceptions are covered. All all turnovers, all touchdowns already covered under your blanket policy. 
What's left then? Final two minutes, the booth does PI. If you Great spend point. one of your two challenges on anything but a PI, you're an idiot. Those are the two biggest right. plays. Keep them in your right. back pocket because you can challenge a non-PI. Right. So you don't have to right. wait of for course. a flag. Right. It, it, the PI can get you 47 yards. Right. You know, <laughs> what, else, what, other, what else are you going to get that? You can what challenge. can you challenge to get that? Right. Nothing. You can challenge PIs that are for and against you on offense, and you can challenge them that are for and against you on defense. And you can challenge them both ways, called and not called. Buckle up for that, that's to be sure. Number three, what's the worst piece of shit, crappy-ass tool item you've ever bought off a TV or maybe off the web where you thought, yeah, I need one of those. I almost got suckered into buying this thing. I was watching an infomercial on the Works HydroShot. What, what is that? You can Google search it right now if you have your fingers nimble for a computer. Basically... It's a portable lithium-ion battery-powered pseudo-power washer. It's a super squirt gun that purports, if you believe their infomercials, to be able to clean things kind of like a power washer, but without the hassle of a real full-blown power washer. Uh-huh. And it looks yeah. pretty good, and I'm thinking, because here's the thing, you can take the, it's got a tube on the bottom of it that you can dump into a lake or into the ocean to clean your boat. You can put it in a bucket of water. If you're not near a water source, it sucks it right out of there. Uh, You can put a two-liter bottle on it for some light cleanup. I'm like, yeah, I can see myself using this around the house. I then watched some YouTube reviews, and they showed, (laughs) they showed what a pansy-ass, no-cleaning-power pile of shit it really is. And I said, thank God I didn't buy it. So I ask you, Charge, have you ever bought anything? What is the one thing you've ever bought where you go, yeah, I regret buying this. This was a waste of money. Um, this is, a, I, I almost never buy, buy from TV. I was never a, you know, Ronco pocket fisherman guy. Right. <laughs> right. You know, that stuff never apl- appealed to me a lot. But, and I, I almost blanched to admit this now, but when I was a kid, I called the, the back when they had the KTEL albums. Do you remember oh, these? Oh, KTEL. Yes, sir. The KTEL albums. And they'd advertise them on TV. And I scrounged my parents' uh, credit card to buy a, this had to be 1977, 1978. And so I'm like 10. And I had to have, all my friends were talking about, uh, about, about Kiss. And I didn't know, I didn't know much about Kiss, but because we didn't have, we didn't have any Kiss albums. We can afford Kiss albums, any of that stuff. And I wanted to be like the cool kids and talk about Kiss. And Kiss was on this KTEL album. So I decided to buy the KTEL album. And when it showed up, my parents went berserk <laughs> about the whole thing. Uh, well, berserk in a good way, to... Charge, or oh, berserk no. in oh, a no. bad way? <laughs> that was the bad way, berserk. <laughs> that was that was a that was eight. That was eight dollars that I paid back through my ass. <laughs> Your ass Several is mine, kid. Flesh. Several layers of flesh. Yeah, I'll teach you for. Ass. They'll teach you for stealing a credit card. Uh, from yep. 1976 to 1981, the company KTEL, that's K-Tel, sold 150 million dollars in albums around oh, the world. They even had wow. albums such as the 25. Polka greats. <laughs> Polka. 
I bet that thing sold. I bet that thing sold. They were airing it in the, like Montana, right? And they were airing it in South Dakota, North Dakota for pennies on these TV stations yeah. back then. And that's where Polka was selling. I bet that I bet they I bet anything they made money on that. Yeah. Anyway, uh, KTEL International still around. KTEL.com. Uh, in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Oh, that's where it's located. That's where it's uh, apparently Canadian. located. You think they would have all Rush as their you as would... the KTEL, on the KTEL? Hey, we got the twenty-five best Rush songs, eh? That are you know <laughs> medium tempo, okay? Like Red Barchetta, okay? <laughs> um, uh... All right, so there's that. I once bought Charge a. <laughs> it it was a bug vacuum. For inside oh, your house. Yeah. 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 And pile of shit. <laughs> it didn't work. Yeah. It had the clear little scoop end of it on a, on a two or three foot wand with a little vacuum that was attached to it that ran on batteries. You recharged. It didn't have the sucking power. Do you know the tensile grip of a modern wolf spider in your house to your wall? <laughs> it is pretty damn strong. You better have some serious. <laughs> I used it a couple of times and I was like, this is a waste of a waste of money because it's either a broom, your shoe or your vacuum that you already own. Did not need uh, another one of those. So no, uh, did not. This will be those, the, a lot of the spiders are jumpers. They're sneaky tough. They're, they're yeah. not as tough as the common house fly, which is tricky. Yeah. But. <laughs> the, the, the spider can be tricky. And who wants to mush a spider with your hand? Nobody. But we're True. willing to we're willing to try to clap and mush a, a, a fly, but not the spider. Well, because spiders could bite flies. They could bite you back, right? Yeah. Maybe and that's part plus of it. it's plus it's bigger. Yeah, most guys <laughs> and, and hairier and everything else. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. A couple other a couple other quick things on, on the on the the call in the TV call in stuff. One, I have a friend who bought and uses to this day the Flowbee. Shut up. Yep. That is his hairstyling mechanism of choice. He continues to use it even now. And <laughs> for what he has the most thick and lustrous hair you can imagine. And he hooks this, he hooks this device up to his vacuum and he vacuum cuts his hair with the Flowbee. It's a, yeah, it sucks your hair up into a tube and then has some blades that cut That's the right. hair. And there's That's no right. mess. Uh, the the hair clippings get sucked right into your vacuum, and you're good to go. Wow. And if he's had that for years, that Flowbee has paid for itself 50 times over for the price of haircuts. That's what he would tell you. He has to, every once a decade, he buys a new Flowbee. Holy and shit. That's yes. amazing. It's like, all right, this one's got a little dull. I'm getting the new Flowbee. Okay. And they still sell them. He can still do it. All right, send all right, this. One, other, one last thing. Yeah, one, one more. One other thing. Or, or, a catalog, or a catalog purchase that you bought, and you're like, what a piece of shit this is. Did you ever get the Johnson Smith catalog as a kid, Charge? No, I don't even know what that is. Okay. And you, what, did you ever get cat kids cat, catalogs that would sell everything from rubber chickens to uh, uh, hand buzzers? And fake gum, and plastic vomit, and well, X-ray specs. Things, those would be in the back of the comic books, and I saw the ads in the back of the comic books, but I didn't. I don't. I never saw a catalog of those items. All right, look up Johnson the, Smith catalog, and you'll see it. This shit used to get mailed to my house, 
and my next door neighbor, uh, best friend, Al Nabasi's house. And we would spend hours pouring over it going, Oh, I want to buy this. I want to buy that. Saving up our money from birthdays and shit. (laughs) It was all such junk. Uh, Johnson, hold on. Johnson, Johnson Smith company. One of the oldest catalog companies in the United States, a household name and novelties, gifts and collectibles since 1914. Now, when you were of, of an age of which those things were interesting to you, how curious and well before the internet would allow you to see nudity anytime you wanted. How curious were you to get the x-ray specs? I mean, a thousand percent curious. Yeah, baby. We were like, like if this thing works, that's a life changer. <laughs> yes. I'm looking at the x-ray vision glasses right now. They were really nothing more than polarized glasses and cheaply so. And I'm looking at a uh, a page image, a dollar ninety-eight they claimed for this thing. Wow. Uh also much... smoke cherry bombs. You could oh, buy yeah. smoke grenades. You could f- buy a flying helicopter that went over 50 feet high. Uh, a midget camera. My buddy Alan and I got this. $2.25 fits in the palm of your hand. We treated it like a spy camera. We'd go around taking little <laughs> pictures of things. Did it work? Uh, it, did it actually work? It though? did. It did, wow. but you had to get the film developed. Obviously, at a photo mat or something. And let's just say it was you were not Ansel Adams. With this tiny little camera. <laughs> so, what we'll always cracks me up about the TV ads is how they will try to turn a, a an everyday task into some horrifying turn of events. Like for the salad spinner, they will go, oh, the pain and torture of, of combining <laughs> your own salad ingredients. Right. And they'll show, they'll show some frazzled housewife who's bleeding out of one hand. And, slipping and she, you know, slipping on the kitchen floor. And impaling herself on a knife, or like in your case, backing into the open dishwasher, dishwasher yes. and injuring yourself. Can I get an update on that, by the way? Uh, elbow has just returned to form. We were talking about it yesterday with Roxy. Oh my elbow god! Is just now, six How, months later. Six months kind of, later, your elbow is all jacked up because of that. That's yeah, that's right. And thank God it was my left. That's all I'm saying. Hello. You got to be able to go both ways, otherwise there could be some long, lonely nights up there in Minnesota. You know that. Well, I got you got. Sometimes you got to meet the stranger. Sometimes you do. Okay, let's move to topic number four: charges foray into vinyl. LP albums. I was under the, well, first, you know, if we go back 25 years and we both had vinyl, I had KTEL. Um, I was so happy to be rid of vinyl. So happy. It's like, you know, I don't have to do the upkeep. I don't have to do the maintenance. I don't have to worry about crackling and, and pops, hissing, all the other stuff. They take up space. You can't, you know, I got to flip to the other side. There were so many conveniences that came with the DVD and CD, sorry, the CD revolution that I was very happy, very happy to give it up. And really I knew that vinyl was popular. Now this is not, this is not like breaking news that vinyls become popular again, but I was like these stupid hipsters. They were, you know, they're too young to live through the hassles of vinyl and, you know, they can claim it sounds better, whatever. I, you know, I don't care. and I don't even want to know. And then two weeks ago, I actually listened to vinyl on a good system, and Zabe, it was awesome. <laughs> oh. 
It sounded so good. Why does it sound so much better? Because, and I'm not, I don't, there are people I can tell you, I'm only two weeks into this. Why do they claim, why do the, why do the hipster nerds claim vinyl is better? They say it's because it's analog to analog. It was recorded on Um, tape, analog tape and recorded onto analog vinyl and digital has effectively digital gaps in it. Something between should, there should be something between a zero and a one, but there can't be anything between a zero and a one. And so you can't get that little piece of music that should be between a zero and a one. And that digital doesn't have the richness, the fullness. And all this time, I'm like, you neck-bearded music. (laughs) You're so wrong. You neck-bearded, locally-sourced food, IPA (laughs) drinking douchebag. Full of shit! (laughs) Correct. Then I listened. So now, and, and and I hadn't even handled I didn't even handle the record in 25 years, right? And I'm looking at the album cover, and I'm flip. It opens, you know, like opens opens the middle and everything, and it's big, beautiful artwork, and there's the, all the lyrics are written in there. And then, say the vinyl itself has changed. You know, it used to. I was using every vinyl, every album was just black. Now, like half of them are beautiful vinyl, and not just because they're like green. But they're kaleidoscopes of color. Oh, sure. Different. Yeah, they can make. Yeah, they can make it out of different materials now and everything else. I guess there yeah. is something to that. You know, um, uh, one of the two DJs at the Hog, where I used to do my sports segment, Bob Madden, he got hard into that whole turntable vinyl record thing, in part because that's a nostalgia play for him. It brings him back mm-hmm. to his teenage years and all. And, but he, he got any, and it was like a hobby. So it is a hobby for him. So he likes to collect these albums and he can go on websites where he can find a near mint condition hotel, California for the Eagles, his favorite band of all time. And, uh, when I was last at his house, he was playing me all these records where he had this big setup with the vintage components as well. Oh yeah. That's the vintage amplifier and the vintage turntable and the mm-hmm. vintage speakers, and because you know he's a he's a grown ass man with his kids well out of high school, we could play it as loud as we wanted. <laughs> and I was like, how "Oh yeah." Sound, how did it sound to you? You heard it. I mean, that's how did it sound? sound? Pretty fucking good. Pretty fucking good. I think there is something to be said about the robustness and the depth, sort of the 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 three dimensionality. Yes. Even with the pops and the cracks and the hisses and the whatevers of a vinyl disc, I do believe there is a little three-dimensionality to it. There is. And you can you can wash your discs clean. And when you have a when you have a truly clean uh album vinyl, it it is it sounds pristine. No hiss, no pop. And there, if you if you wash it properly, and there, there's I have those YouTube videos and stuff. Again, I'm only two weeks into this, but what I did say is I, I went to Roxy and I said, listen, this thing might work and might not work. As a proof of concept, I'm proposing we buy a starter grade turntable, and we buy one album a month, and we can spend a month thinking about what we're going to get, strategizing everything else. So this is a week ago. So and I was ready for it to give me pushback. One album out, a month. One album a month. You'll so never, you'll never maintain, you'll never maintain that slow pace of acquisition. No chance. Well, it's been seven days. I have eleven albums. 
<laughs> of course you do. Of course you do, because you're going to say, damn it, I want Super Tramp breakfast in America. Got to have it. That's, that's, that's kind of what happens. I want Steely Dan Asia. I've yeah. got to have it. Yep. I want, oh, pick another band. That would be. I'm just thinking of the bands that I remember that I had had vinyl CDs of or LPs of, I should say. ACDC and Boston. Back in Black, Boston, more than a feeling. Yes. So here's the funny thing about those bands, Abe. So you know those bands sold a million, literally a million records, right? And so my assumption going into this was, I was going to be able to get all the Rush and Led Zeppelin and you know all of these million you know, these platinum albums easily whenever I wanted, right. Yeah. All used, right. They're all be used. They'd be, yeah. you know, 30 years old, but whatever. They, they're not they're You can't buy them. They're all gone because I, these are the bands that have stood the test of time. And everybody who gets a turntable wants Led Zeppelin and Rush and Boston and ACDC. And you know, they want all that stuff. Don't, don't the record labels make, them. don't the record labels sometimes release remakes on modern oh, vinyl. Okay. Yes, absolutely. I'm talking used only, but yeah, for the, is, but for the true hobbyist, you don't mm-hmm. want a newfangled replica. You want as close to mint condition original as possible. But, yes, but here's the X factor on that. The original pressings were made from the analog tapes. The worry is uh, that you get some, you get a re Digitally remastered. That, that's right. That came from the digital versions. <laughs> And nobody wants that. They all want the analog versions. Listen to so, all the worship of analog of all things. This can is can you believe it? This is the re- I can believe it. You know why? Because the digital world is sucking more and more every single day. I have a yearning to go back to analog land to transport back into the eighties and just say, "Pah, you can have all this shit." It's not better than the eighties, that's for sure. But that's just. But me. Dave, if, but but if you did that, how how would Google track you? Oh shit! Don't even. That's that's that is that is for another day, Charge. Because I just read an article that said Chrome is essentially spyware now. So you probably you should probably switch to Mozilla Firefox. Next time we talk, which will be in two weeks, because I'm in New York City next Monday. Next time we talk, I will I will tell you all about that and the browser you must switch to as you get away from Google Chrome, which is spyware. The they ain't got phones in New York City? Uh, I would be traveling. I would be flying back with my family. You got no time to call me next week. You're out. Why? That's because insane. I'm traveling from New York City with my family. Dude, That's why. Dude, you're not that important. You've got 30 minutes to get on a phone with me. I, I, I reject that answer. I'll work. Charge, I'll work around your schedule. The people demand it. Can you hear them? Charge, charge, charge. <laughs> All right, we'll work but. on it. We'll Anything work on but. it. All right, All right, buddy. Great to talk Enjoy. to you as always. Thank you, bud. Bye. All right. Except for him, I'm a band. Oh, how can you do that? Making me look bad. You're such a hose hand. Yeah, well, take off. Take off. Let's end on this today. Would you give up your plane seat to Cam Newton for $1,500 cash? Apparently, for one man flying back from Paris to the United States, the answer was uh, no. It was not worth that much money. Cam Newton was apparently flying back from Paris, maybe a fashion show, perhaps, Uh, from France to Charlotte, North Carolina. That cannot be a direct flight. And he apparently had missed an earlier flight, 
in which he was booked into business class or what they used to call first class. He ends up on a plane that would end up to went up going to North Carolina, but not until they went through North Texas, and he was stuck in coach. So the six foot five inch quarterback, wanting more leg room, started to negotiate with a guy who was in one of the bulkhead rows, saying, "I'll pay you fifteen hundred bucks if you're willing to switch seats with me." Now, did he offer the fifteen hundred dollars in cash on the spot? It's tough to say. The social media showed videos of Cam dapper in his in his uh, Heisenberg hat from Breaking Bad, offering this man the $1,500 in cash. Um, But he got stiff. The guy said, no, I'm not giving up my seat, not for $1,500. 10-hour flight, Cam Newton, poor guy, stuffed into regular coach fare. I would would absolutely take the money. (laughs) I would take the money. And I would say, I'll stand for the whole flight for $1,500. You kidding me? Now, if Cam Newton had said, I don't have it on me, but I promise I'll get you when we land, I would say, nah, not good enough. I don't trust you. I would insist on collateral like his watch or something like that. The most expensive thing he has on him. Clearly, this guy was not a Panther fan. He may not have been an NFL fan. Hell, he might have been a Falcon fan and just reveled in sticking it to Cam Newton. Either way, you would have thought, well, couldn't he wait for another flight to get home? I mean, what was he rushing home for? Stay an extra night in Paris. I don't know. When you got to go, you got to go. He was, by the way, as I look at this story, uh, actually it's a, a reprint in or, or a rewrap of the story uh, from the Charlotte Observer. And Newton was indeed in France for Men's Fashion Week. All right. Uh, the original story was written by, oh my God, Langston Wirtz of the Charlotte Observer? God bless you, Langston. I need to get a hold of this guy. Langston Wirtz was the same writer who, when I was in Charlotte with Sandy Penner in 1999, uh, actually earlier than that, 97, 98, and a little bit of 99, he was the media critic, and he was writing about the new radio station in town on which... Of, of which I was on. And he did not really like for my style, my brash-talking northern ways. And so Langston would kind of poke at us, poke at us. And we had a rivalry going on. We had a bit of a feud going on. We, would, we made fun of the Charlotte Observer by pointing out mistakes in the newspaper, gaffes, headlines that were wrong, cut lines that were wrong, misspellings, you name it. And we went every day, me and Sandy Penner said, okay, we're going to find the mistake in the sports section alone. We didn't even go through the entire paper. Just in the sports section alone, we were confident we could find one mistake every day. And it got to such a streak that we decided, well, when should we end this? Because it could go on forever. I said, why don't we end it at the 57th day in a row? Because that would eclipse the greatest streak in sports history, Joe DiMaggio's 56-game hitting streak. Well, sure enough, we're getting up into the 40s, and I know that the newspaper editors over there at the Charlotte Observer are getting more and more pissed. Like, God damn it, this this sports section better be tight as a drum on its way out the door to the printer. We do not want, we got to stop this now. And they couldn't do it. There was always a mistake somewhere. And maybe that's true of all major papers. It could be a, an unfair standard, but it became a bit of a thing. And so we finally hit 57 days in a row. We had a special remote at a uh, little barbecue joint that was on a fake little body of water, a tiny fake little um, 
shopping mall lake, as it were, and we called it the Mistake by the Lake, and we celebrated the 57th consecutive mistake. We actually made t-shirts, of which I have one or two still in storage. Don't ask me to get it. I don't care how much you offer, unless it's 1500 bucks, like Cam Newton's seat. Then I'll go dig it out. But we made t-shirts celebrating as well. Langston Wirtz Jr., still there, writing for The Observer. Well, good for you, Langston. You know, I'd, I had hoped that I would have been there for 20 or so years. But uh, I got fired after two, after six weeks of a new morning show. Yeah. Uh, the general manager of the station, who was an ex-con, uh, didn't like the cut of my jib, didn't like that I wasn't taking direction well from him, and didn't like that I had strong ideas about what I wanted to do. And he literally responded to like five emails from people saying, this guy, this guy sucks. You got to get him out of here. And that was that. Bing, bang, boom, and I'm done. But it worked out okay for me. Anyhow, there you go. Uh, Cam Newton stuffed to the goal line. I'm surprised. I don't know if the man was white or black, but I hope he was black because seriously, I wouldn't be surprised if in the wake of this, somebody writes a think piece about how this is another example of white supremacy, that this is akin to um, uh, Rosa Parks, uh, except the other way around of uh, you know not giving up or see it on the bus, that this would be a hate crime of sorts if a white man declines a fair cash offer from a black man who happens to be far more deserving of a seat with legroom to say no to that that in today's day and age. Just saying, that could be considered a hate crime. I hope it does not go south from here. Cam, get better. I like watching you play football. You've grown on me. I used to not really like you. I like you now. Uh, your shoulder, though, is messed up for sure. Shoulder, elbow, something like that. Hasn't thrown all offseason. Stay tuned for more on that. Okay, that'll do it for us today. Thank you for listening. Thanks to Charge for picking up the phone in Minneapolis. And, of course, thank you for downloading. Send me feedback, Zabe at Yahoo.com. Remember, subscribe on Fridays. Help out the podcast overall vitality. I do appreciate it. And also get the app itself. Look for Zabecast wherever your apps are delivered. Have yourself a great Tuesday, and we will see you next time. Let me run around and put your car on cruise and lay back because it's summertime. Hear that? Is that America cheering or a sausage patty sizzling to perfection? It's time to cheer for Egg McMuffin and fresh cracked eggs at McDonald's. It's time to wake up to the aroma of freshly baked biscuits and treat yourself to a real honest-to-goodness morning meal. Breakfast, it's on at McDonald's. Now get any breakfast sandwich for just 2 bucks. Available only through the app. Mobile order and pay available at participating McDonald's. McD app download and registration required. Grandparents, at Vanguard, you're more than just a grandparent. You're the family historians. You fill your closets with heirlooms, family photos, and letters from long ago. You're always planning the next family reunion, even at the reunion. Because for you, time well spent is time spent on them. At Vanguard, you're more than just an investor. You're an owner. Because the future you're building is bigger than yourself. Discover the value of ownership at Vanguard.com. Fund shareholders own the funds that own Vanguard. Vanguard Marketing Corporation Distributor.